Hello, my name is Rabbi Mark Soloway. Welcome to A Dash of Drush, a new podcast exploring some of the themes of Torah and Judaism and how they relate to our confusing world. You know, every time we end a book of the Torah, there are five books in the Torah, and each time we end a book, we say, Chazak, Chazak, Venit Chazek which is this very powerful phrase that says, be strong, be strong, and be strengthened, or, or something like that. And traditionally, the person who's reading the very last verses of that particular book chants those words, and then the congregation repeats them. And it's as if something happens to us when we make that transition from the end of one book and into the beginning of another book. And with the book of Torah, or the books of Torah, I should say, that seems even more poignant and true. Perhaps we feel it every time we finish a book. There's something about spending time with a book where you inhabit the world of the of the characters, you get to know them, they become part of you, you get to be in their struggles with them and celebrate their joys with them and all of those themes that happen when you're with a book and then the book finishes and there's a sort of a deflation sometimes or a, or a sense of sadness, of loss even. And so there's this idea that we are renewing ourselves and strengthening ourselves as we make that transition from one book into another. So the book of Genesis, Bereshit in Hebrew, in the beginning, Bereshit, Genesis. What an extraordinary book. From the, from the beginning of everything, when there was nothingness in this void, and then the world came into being, and the way in which the world is described, the creation of the world is described as so mysterious and beautiful and confusing and wonderful, triumphant. And then, of course, on the sixth day of creation, before we get to that first Shabbat, we have the creation of Adam, of the first human being, created in the image of God. And then the generations go through, from Adam and Eve through to Noah and through to Abraham and Abraham's descendants and Abraham and Sarah and all of the the families that frankly are pretty dysfunctional and the stories that we find ourselves in are sometimes quite grim. We see ancestral issues being replayed through the generations. We see the fact that, for instance, uh, Jacob did not really have his father's love. Jacob was one of twins. Jacob and his brother Esav, Esau, were literally fighting in the womb of their mother, Rivka, Rebekah, according to the Torah. And then they're born, and Esav, Esau, love, is a man of the field. He loves hunting, and, 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 and Yaakov is a man of the books, so to speak, or the, as the rabbis see it, like a, a man who liked to be inside his tent studying, <laughs> studying the books. And... Jacob was loved by his mother, and Esav was loved by his father. And Jacob, now if you fast forward towards the end of the Parsha, when Jacob um, falls in love with Rachel, with Rachel, works for seven years, and then his father-in-law tricks him, and he gets the older sister Leah, and then he works for another seven years, and eventually he gets Rachel. And when he has a son in his old age with Rachel, he calls the son Yosef, Joseph, which means additional, like something more, something more than he already had, like he already had ten sons. And so he has Yosef. And Yosef is just his loved, favoured son. So here he was, not having his father's love, and then he was loving this son more than any of 
uh, his brothers, any of Joseph's brothers, and they hated him. He gets that amazing coat, you know, that we think of as a technicolor dream coat, but that's really because of Andrew Lloyd Webber, not because of the Torah. It's described as a katonet pasim, which means a, a coat of palm, some really long, elaborate, beautiful coat that Joseph gets. And his brothers are very, very jealous of him. And Joseph, of course, has these extraordinary dreams where he imagines a future where his whole family is going to bow down to him. And lo and behold, the future <laughs> becomes indeed uh, true. And the brothers, as we found ourselves in last week's Parsha, are there in Egypt. And Joseph is, as far as they're concerned, the most powerful man, next to Pharaoh anyway, the most powerful man in the world, the man who has power over life and death. And their youngest brother, Benjamin, has been put into the dungeon, into the Egyptian jail. And there's this moment in the penultimate Pasha, the penultimate portion from the book of Genesis, called Vayigash. Vayigash. And he approached, and he drew near. Yehuda, Joseph's brother Yehuda. Joseph's brother Yehuda, racked still with guilt as being complicit in an act to sell their brother into slavery, and in fact they thought, and certainly his father Jacob thought that he was dead, this moment, this extraordinary, powerful, moving, poignant moment of approach, where Yehuda is willing to put his own life on the line to save his brother Benjamin. And he approaches, says, Vayigash alav Yehuda, Vayigash alav Yehuda. He drew near to him, Yehuda. Yehuda drew near to him. The to him we understand to be Yosef, but there's also a lot of commentary that really he's drawing near to a, a part, a deeper part of himself. Or maybe he's drawing near to God. And there's something about that approach which is about the ability to be vulnerable, the ability to open his heart, the ability to stand spiritually and emotionally naked before this prince of Egypt, before this powerful, powerful, powerful Egyptian man, who, of course, he doesn't know is his own brother. And he says, Do you have a father? Do you have a brother? And he starts talking about his old father, Yaakov, back in the land of Canaan, bereft still after 22 years since he last saw his 17-year-old son Joseph, who he's now assumed dead all these years. And there's something about this speech that is about the ultimate kind of encounter, an encounter with truth, an encounter with ultimacy, an encounter perhaps with the divine. And he says, Be Adoni. Be Adoni, he says to Yosef, which is usually translated as, please, please, I beseech you, my master, my lord, I beseech you. But be Adoni can also be understood to be, God is within me. God is within me. As if there's something about that approach, that encounter, that drawing near, where Yehuda draws near to Yosef, that he acknowledges that, he has a piece of God inside him. 
and that's what gives him the chutzpah, in a sense, the chutzpah, the 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 divine spark to really say what he needs to be said to put his life on the line. And the midrash says that uh, words that come from the heart enter the heart. The words come so deeply from his own heart, and so they enter into Yosef's heart. But be Adoni. You know, I think uh, many of us uh, in Boulder like to go to yoga classes and some yoga teachers will always end the class with the the bowing and the saying Namaste. The Sanskrit word Namaste, as I understand it, one way to translate it is to say the the divine within me greets the divine within you. The divine within me greets the divine within you. And perhaps... Yehuda is, is saying that to Yosef. Biadoni, God is within me, and God is within you too. And we know that going way back to the beginning, when the human form is created in that Genesis story on the sixth day of creation, the human being is created B'Tselem Elohim, in the, in the divine image, in the image of God. And so this idea that each one of us carries a a piece of God within us and the way that must indeed impact the relationships that we have with every human being. If we see within every human being, whether they are part of our family, part of our tribe, part of our religion and culture or someone so other, if we can see within every single human being who is in front of us that we are in an encounter with a spark of divinity and if we can see that spark of divinity within ourselves then how does that impact the way we relate to each other Vayigash alav Yehuda Yehuda Drunir and then of course after that magnificent poignant beautiful moving speech that Yehuda makes to his brother the Torah describes the fact that uh, Yosef cannot contain himself any longer. He cannot hold on to the mask that he has been wearing for all of these years. He cannot any longer pretend to be this Egyptian ruler. And he becomes the vulnerable little brother of Yehuda. He couldn't contain himself. He couldn't hold on. He couldn't continue wearing that mask. And it says he cried and he cried so the whole of Egypt heard. The whole of Egypt heard his cry, the the release, the emotional release in that moment. And he says, I'm your brother. I'm your brother. And then the very next words that come out of his mouth are, Is my father really still alive? Odavichai? Is my father really still alive? And he's so moved by the speech in which Yehuda talks again and again about his father. And so the story continues. The brothers reconcile. They hug and kiss each other. They haven't seen each other for all of these years. And then they set up uh, to go and share the news with Yaakov, with Jacob, that uh, indeed his son, who is assumed dead for 22 years, is in fact alive. And that he is requesting that he come down to Egypt. And in fact, Pharaoh himself... um, invites the whole family to make their home in the land of Goshen uh, where they can raise their sheep because raising sheep is uh, considered an abomination in Egyptian culture but they can raise their their sheep and continue to be the shepherds that they are 
in the land of Goshen. And so the whole denouement and the whole way in which Yaakov comes back and has his own reconciliation, his own reuniting with uh, with Joseph. And then we move into the the last the last 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 part of the last portion of Torah in the whole book of Genesis after which we say those words Chazak Chazak Venit Chazek. And the Parsha is called Vayechi Vayechi and it sort of describes uh, Yaakov as he's coming towards the end of his life and he's uh, lying on his deathbed and wanting to give all of his sons and grandsons blessings and uh, he describes it says I'm going to tell you what's going to be at the end of days at the end of, of, of days the end of time when time unravels itself like who are you really we think of a blessing as a sort of a good wish for somebody. You know, if you you give someone a blessing, you say, "I bless you that you'll have a long life. I bless you with health. I bless you." You know, all of the things that one human being may may wish in words of blessing to another human being. And yet here, what we think of in some ways as blessings are really uh, harsh in some ways. Just explaining to each one of these. Twelve brothers, how in some ways their actions of the past have impacted their present and will continue to impact their future. And so the blessing is really just a sort of statement of holding a, uh, a pretty intense mirror up and saying, This is who you are. This is who you are. This is what your life is all about. And this is what your life is going to continue to be in the tribe that you represent. And so we're left with this very uh, powerful ending of um, uh, the patriarch of the family, Yaakov, whose name, of course, was changed to Yisrael. Yisrael, the one who wrestled with God from the incredible story where he was um, preparing after many years to see his brother again, his brother who had wanted to kill him last time he saw him, Esav, and they were getting ready to meet and he was so afraid that night, he was left alone and he was afraid and an angel came and wrestled with him all night long until the break of dawn and he he came out of that wrestling match victorious and the angel gave him a new name and said you will no longer be called Yaakov, you will be called Yisrael the one who wrestled with God, the one who wrestled with God. And in a sense, the whole incarnation of the human being, which is really the whole essence of the book of Genesis from when the first human being is created, is about wrestling with God, wrestling with humanity, wrestling with relationship. And here's Yaakov, known as Yisrael, the name goes back and forth still, but Yisrael, when we talk about B'nai Yisrael, literally the sons of Israel, the sons of Jacob, but B'nai Yisrael we really know is, is the code for, for the Jewish people. And so within those 12 tribes that are receiving their blessing or re receiving their reflection from their father, is contained the, the, the mystery of, of the whole Jewish people. The whole Jewish people are somehow met within those those words 
of Yaakov and this family that has increased and become wealthy and and grown up in in exile in a sense from their homeland in the land of Egypt and of course as that transition uh, happens between between the books between uh, Jacob dying and the the book of uh, Genesis ending and the book of Shemot Exodus beginning next week there's that sort of many years have passed and suddenly these people who have been in a strange land you know in in in, in the beginning of Exodus a, a new pharaoh arose who who knew not Joseph who didn't know Joseph and suddenly all of the fear and suspicion and all of the the ways in which different peoples become sworn to be enemies which is another theme that runs throughout the book of Genesis you know the uh, Isaac and Ishmael are brothers you know Jacob and Esau are brothers but they they become their descendants become enemies in a sense Ishmael is connected to the whole world of Islam and Esau is connected to the to Edom the Edomite kingdom which became Rome and Rome became the Christian empire and so you have like in a sense the the the, the sibling rivalries are really uh, foretelling relationships between the Jewish Christian and Muslim world and we know that uh, our whole history is just um, the pages of our history books are just covered in blood from all of the the spilling of blood that's come through through wars and conquests and people trying to promote their truth as being the truth and if you don't see my truth then you deserve to die and family rivals and tribal conflicts and uh, in a sense you know uh, Rabbi Shlomo Kalabach famously said the Torah is a commentary on the world and the world is a commentary on the Torah and the Torah is such a commentary on the world this confusing times that we live in and whatever the ancestral and familial baggage that seems to just develop throughout the book of Genesis whatever that that baggage is it seems like what's the real message for us in this in this age where where we feel the world puts us at odds with each other you know we had such a beautiful beautiful experience yesterday on on the week where we were reading Pasha Vayigash about the encounter we we had the opportunity which I'll be saying more about in in future recordings here but the the the, the opportunity to have a kiddush a, a lunch a Shabbat lunch with members of the Boulder Islamic Center and have Jews and Muslims just committing to break bread together and get to know each other get to hear each other's stories and I framed I framed the lunch by saying, you know, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's so good to have you here, and and talked about the this idea of Vayigash of this encounter, and talked about Yehuda and Yosef, and of course, they had the parallel story exists within the Quran, and the stories that we have the same stories. The question is, do we have the same interpretations of the stories? So as we we're in this week where we are ending this first book of the Torah ending the first book of the Torah and making that transition into slavery and eventually the exodus in that second book of the Torah. And we say those words. Chazak, chazak, v'nit Be strong, be strong, and may we be strengthened.
Be strong, be strong, may we be strengthened. The book of Genesis ends with Jacob dying, Israel, and then all of the brothers freaking out that now that Jacob's gone, Joseph's going to want to actually, you know, <laughs> uh, punish them for the, the terrible thing they did. But he says, no, it's all good. It's all good. God wanted it to be this way. And then Joseph dies at the very end. And he uh, makes everyone promise that they're going to carry his bones, his etzem, his atzamut, the essence of who he is, um, back into the land of Canaan. Extraordinary, extraordinary deep stories. And so these very important figures of Jacob and Joseph both die at the end of this book of Genesis. And and their bones are carried through, really you could say right through into our generations. So when we say chazak, chazak v'nit chazek, we're, we're asking, we're praying for our own encounters, our own approaches like Yehuda towards towards Joseph. We're, we're asking that we, we heal all of this ancestral pain going all the way back to Abraham and Sarah and beyond even going back to, to Adam and Eve and just the human project which is so fraught with with the evil and conflict and brutality and just that we somehow uh, like mourners in a way like Yaakov dies, Joseph dies and we're somehow given the strength to, to get through the rest of the Torah and to to write our own stories within the Torah and to be part of a, a future that that can heal some of the pain of the past. Chazak, chazak, v'nit chazek. May we have all the strength we need for 2017 and for ending this first book of Torah.